This is your FBI. This is your FBI, the official broadcast from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Tonight's FBI file, Yesterday's Killers. More and more, you hear people who tend to weave a veil of romance about the names and escapades of Al Capone, of John Dillinger, of Ma Barker and Alvin Carpus. The gangsters who made Prohibition first a laughing stock, and then a serious business. Some who listened to this program tonight were not yet born at that time. Were not alive to see the mobs of hoodlums who made illegal whiskey the basis for criminal syndicates. Were not yet reading a newspaper that morning in 1929, when a trigger-happy gunman walked into a Chicago garage wearing a stolen police uniform and mowed down seven men. A killing that became famous as the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Those were the days, you hear people say. And they are right. Those were the days when Al Capone had three entire floors in a large Chicago hotel. When the word bootlegger was, in some circles, a badge of honor. When decent people struggled to get a card of admittance to a smoke-filled cellar so they could drink while rubbing elbows with the dregs of human society. It is one of the jobs of your FBI to make sure that such days never return. Tonight's file opens as Special Agent Jim Taylor, driving up a lonely country road through a heavy storm, stops at a farmhouse. He runs to the front door, knocks, and waits. Yes? Is this the Wilson farm? It is. Oh, are you Mr. Taylor? Yes. Oh, please come in. Thank you. My Uncle Bob's expecting you. Here, let me have your coat. All right. That's quite a storm. <laughs> yes, we get them out here. Yeah, here you are. Oh, I'll hang it up. Thank you. Uncle Bob's in that room there. Oh, fine. You can go right in. Thank you. Hello there. You Mr. Taylor? That's right. Well, you made good time getting out here. Considering the storm, I guess I did. Here, sit down. Thanks, Mr. Wilson. Well, I suppose you're wondering what this is all about. I, I couldn't tell you. I think me. I know what it's about. Charlie Madison being killed last night, right? Yes. And you know I was there. That's right. We went through his papers today. I can and... even answer that one. You found a note saying that I was going to kill him. You admit writing it? Sure, sure. I'll even tell you why. First, I think you should know, Mr. Wilson, that anything you can tell me can be used against you. It's your constitutional right to say nothing. <laughs> they know my rights. I still want to talk. Okay. But uh, first, I'd like to ask you a question. All right, what's that? Why should you care who killed anyone as foul as Charlie Madison? He was a key witness in a government case now on trial in federal court. And it appears that a violation of justice statute may have been committed, which requires the FBI to secure all the facts. Now, what was your story? Well, 
First, I'd like you to know that I had a good motive for killing Charlie Madison. A lot of people did. Maybe you'll understand the motive a little better if I start at the beginning, back when I first met the guy. It was 1927. Oh, I was a hot 20 then. Saturday night was what I waited for all week long. That was the night we had the neighborhood dance. Well, at one of those dances one Saturday night, I was standing just inside the entrance smoking a cigarette when a guy I knew walked... Hi, Bob. Oh, hi, Al. Hey. I need some exercise. Time. They're right under the club banner, you see him? Uh-huh. We're gonna work him over. You wanna play? Nah, not tonight. Okay. You pass. Bobby. Huh? Bobby, I'm so glad I found you. Mary, what's the matter? I was just on powder in my nose, and I heard Peggy Austin say the fellas are all gonna gang up on my date. Is he the one over there? Yeah, right under the banner. Look, Al, George, and Willie are all closing in on him right now. Just because he isn't from the neighborhood. Well, that's his tough luck. Oh, Bobby, do something. Oh, please. Well, why? For me, Bobby. Help him for me. Well... Please. Okay. Oh, Look, they're all around him now. Yeah, but nobody's hitting him yet. All right, all right. How many guys you need to be tough? Don't talk smart, brother. Just walk outside. All right, Al, all right. Break it up. Huh? Leave the guy alone. He's okay. Look, stay out of there. Said alone. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Yes. Come on, buddy. This is your fight. You better help me. Okay. We're going to have to punch our way out of here. That's how I first met Charlie Madison, Mr. Taylor. I look back now, I know that was the tip-off. I was always going to be the guy to get him out of a jam. Say, you want a drink or maybe some coffee? No, no, thanks. Go on with your story. Well, the next time I saw Charlie was the night of the Dempsey-Tunney fight. I had a job as an usher. The seventh round had just started, and I figured nobody else was coming. So I stepped down to find his heart. Oh, hi, Mary. Come on, You remember Charlie Madison, don't you? Yeah, sure. Hello, Charlie. Hi. Oh, you're the guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad I run into you. I never got a chance to thank you. Oh, that's okay. Come on, Gene. The left, the left, Gene. Oh, that Tony looks great, Donnie. I bet on Dempsey. Oh, you're gonna blow it. All Dempsey needs is one punch. Get him, boy. Put it in the wall. Come on, Jack. Get Come on, nail him, nail him. Oh, Tony's got too much legs. Look at him. Stab and run, Gene. Stab and run. Come on, Jack. Catch up with him. Catch up. I told you, I told you one punch. Will your referee start the count? Come on, Gene, get up! Ah, he's got enough! He can't! Look at him, look at him! He's up! Ah. Look at Dempsey waving for him to come in! Why don't Tunny go in and fight? Ah. Ah. Dance, Gene, dance! That's the ball! Come on, Dempsey, come on! Oh. Oh. Uh. Well, there goes my ten bucks. Ten? I thought you made a bet. I got three G's on Tunny. Three thousand? Hey, you must be doing good. Eh, not bad. Got a little action going for me. Hey, are you working? Me? No. Oh, look, I owe you one. You got a job. Starting tomorrow night.
that's how you went to work for him, huh? Yeah. He wasn't my kind of a guy, Mr. Taylor. But it gave me a chance to see Mary. You probably figured it out already. I was in love with Mary. But to her, there was nobody but Charlie. Well, he had a roadhouse out on the turnpike. I started as doorman at the place. Then one night I was at the bar when I heard Charlie, the guy say Charlie wanted to see me in his office. I started right away because Charlie didn't like me. You sent for me, Charlie? Yeah, Bob. Shut up. Okay. You remember I told you last night I was tired of being a penny ante guy? Well, I did something. I'm moving up. What'd you do, by Lake Michigan? <laughs> no, better than that. I bought four guys from Lefty Banning's mob. What for? Well, they're crossing him. He's got a shipment of booze coming in, but he's not going to get it. We are. Charlie, just in case you're interested in some advice, I don't think it's a good idea. Why? If you can buy those guys, Lefty can buy them back. Then we got a war. You afraid of war? No. I just think if you want that booze, let's go take it ourselves. You always do everything so you'll get punched in the nose. It saved you once. That was different. Lefty's got a boat coming in. Well, we got a boat, too. I picked it up today. We'll use it to hijack Lefty. We're moving night. Well, Mr. Taylor, we did the job. And it went off just like Charlie laid it out. The next night I was in the roadhouse when I saw Mary sitting alone at a corner table. Hi, Mary. Hello, Bobby. Sit down. Thanks. Didn't expect to see you. <laughs> Why not? Figured you'd be celebrating after last night's job. Understand you're all in the big time now. I suppose I ought to say congratulations. Well... I ought to, but I won't. What do you mean? Oh, I don't like it. Mary, you'd better tell it to Charlie. I've been trying to, but he won't listen. Too big, Bobby. Talk to him, will you? Try to tell him that this is... Bob, I want to see you. Excuse us, Mary. Lefty Banning's on his way out here. Why? He got a couple of torpedoes with him. How do you know? I just got a call in the office. Who told him it was us? One of those guys I bought. Well, let him come. Our boys ain't here, Bob. They're stashing the whiskey. Oh, that's bad. I... I think we better blow. Where can we hide? You got a better idea? Yeah. Close the joint. Send Mary home in a cab. We'll wait here. We'll punch our way out again. get too frisky with it. What do you mean? If we stay behind these tools, be the targets, not us. We don't waste bullets till we get a real good shot. Hey, what about the windows? What about them? Suppose they start shooting through them. They'll have to break them first, then we'll see them. They won't see us without lights. Well, maybe we've got... Now hold it, hold it. Car coming in. Uh-huh. Could be banning. Uh-huh. 
shoot that lock off. from Charlie. If you don't come up, we're coming in. Charlie. Charlie. Where are you? I'm giving you one more chance, Madison. Now come out with your dupes up or we're coming in. He's gone. He left me. Okay, Madison, you had your chance. Madison ain't here. But I am and here I come. Back to the FBIO, yesterday's killers. Life in the United States has changed so much since the 1920s that comparisons are needless to prove the point. In one respect, however, there has been little change and that is the state of mind which results in the constant growth of the criminal army. That attitude which was widespread then, and is equally at home in too many living rooms today, is the conversational tone used in referring to criminals. How many parents ask if the other has seen the story in the evening paper, the one about that bank robber who got away $100,000? Our offense is, don't be to rob a bank myself that much money, or that takes a lot of courage. How can parents who say things like that expect a child to correct them? To tell them it doesn't take courage to hide behind a machine gun? To tell them that criminals are the vermin of the earth? To tell them the very things they should in fact be telling the child? You as an individual cannot stop that practice. All you can do is make sure of one thing. Make sure it doesn't happen in your home. Tonight's file continues at the farmhouse where Bob Wilson and Special Agent Jim Taylor sit talking. They shot me up a little as I came through the door, but Lefty Banning wasn't interested in me. He wanted Charlie Madison, and Charlie had gone. They left me there on the front porch of the roadhouse, me and the body of the head waiter. When I came to, I was under arrest for his murder. Uh, come in! There was a phone call for Mr. Taylor, Uncle Bobby. When? Well, just now. It was your office, Mr. Taylor, but while we were turning it out. That happens every time we have a storm. I see. Well, I'll keep trying to get your call as soon as the service comes back. Thank you. Well, as I was saying, I was arrested. I didn't kill the head waiter, but the shooting came at a bad time. People were sick of hoodlums like me. And the judge hit me with a 20-year bit. Yes, I know about that. I never heard from Charlie... He never showed up at the trial, never sent word to me. I did hear he and Mary got married, had a kid, a daughter. Well, after three years, I got word I had a visitor. It was Mary. I didn't want to see her, so they told her I was sick. She came back the next day and the next. Finally, I went down to the visitor's cage, and there she was. Hello? 
I'm sorry you've been sick. I ain't been. But they told me. I didn't want to see you. Look, there's a reason for my not having come here. Charlie told me you double-crossed him. What? He said you were trying to get some of your friends to kidnap our little girl. Mary, you believed him? I was in love with him. Was? He's a big man now. Too big for me. His lawyer's arranging for a divorce. I'm going away. Where? I don't know. I'll write to you. You're going to be close enough to visit me again? I don't know. If I am, I will. If you're not, we've got a date in 17 years. I hated Charlie before. I hated him. I couldn't at night. I'd lay awake thinking up new ways to murder him. Tell me, did you ever hear from Mary? Just once. She sent me her address but asked me not to write. Well, finally the day came. My sentence was up. I headed for Mary right away. But I was too late, Mr. Taylor. She'd been dead for three years. What about her daughter? I found Alice. Charlie had never sent them a dime. Mary died broke. Well, that brought all the hate back again. I started to look for Charlie. I found out he was in Europe. So I rented this farm and kept my eyes on the paper. Finally, he came home. When he did, I wrote him that note you found. He never answered it, so last night I went to see him. I climbed in a window. He wasn't home, so I... Hello, Charlie. Huh? Remember me? I, uh... Bob Wilson. Oh, sure. Sure, hello, Bob. This uh, ain't a social visit. Okay. I've come to have a talk with you. A talk I've been waiting for for 20 years. Look, Bob, it's late. Why don't you come around tomorrow? We're talking tonight. Okay. What are we... Talking about your wife and your daughter. My wife's dead. I know. You sent flowers. That's right. Why didn't you send something when she was alive, like dough? I didn't know where she was living. You're a liar. Now, wait a minute. Listen, you've lied about everything from the first day I met you. Look, is that what you came here to tell me? No. No, I came here about your kid. What about her? You've got a chance with her, Charlie. A chance to make up for all the things you didn't do for Mary. Whatever I do with a kid is my business. Oh, no. I'm making it mine. You're going to give that kid dough. A lot of dough. Fifty thousand dollars worth. Fifty, sir. <laughs> what a cheap shake this is. What? Using my kid as a front to take me for fifty grand. No, I'm leveling. Get out of here. Oh, no. Look, if you don't get out of here... You'll do nothing. You remember that note I wrote you? You remember what it said? It said I was going to kill you. Well, now, Charlie, I'm going to. Let go Not with a gun, Charlie. I don't need one. I'm going to do it with these hands. Let go. These hands are strong, Charlie. They got strong in prison. Strong from working a drill press and breaking rocks. But now they're going to choke you bloody... Oh. Uh. 
Didn't you tell Madison you didn't have a gun? I didn't. That shot was fired through the window. Oh? Well, why didn't you report that to the police? After you've spent 20 years in jail, you do what I did. You leave quietly. Mr. Wilson, I wonder if you'd come down to the office with me. You don't believe me about not killing him? I'm an investigator, not a jury. I just collect the evidence. Twelve people in that box decide whether or not it's true. Oh, Mr. Taylor. Yes? I was just coming in to get you. I've got your office on the phone. Oh, thank you very much. It's down there. End of the hall and turn left. Thanks. I won't be long. Oh, are you going out, Uncle Bob? Uh, yes, yes. I have to go into town with Mr. Taylor. Oh. If uh, the roads are bad, I won't try to come back tonight. All right. So you'd better get your things and go over and stay with the Albright. Okay. Call me at the Albright, so I know you're safe, too. Yeah. Don't you go worrying about me. <laughs> well, the highway will be slippery tonight. Well, I'll feel better if I know you're there. Here. Here, Here help me on with this coat, will you, dear? Oh, sure. I'm you putting on your coat, Mr. Wilson. Huh? Trip won't be necessary. My office tells me the case is closed. But I've caught the person we wanted. Who is it? Someone who waited a lot longer than you. Lefty Banning. Well. So good night, Mr. Wilson. And good night, Miss... Uh, uh... Oh, uh, didn't you two introduce yourself? No. Well, Mr. Taylor, this is Alice Madison. As Jim Taylor said... The FBI secures the facts. In their investigation of the obstruction of justice, their facts led to the identification and conviction of Lefty Banning in state court for murder. More important, they cleared Bob Wilson, an innocent man entwined in a series of unexplainable circumstances. (laughs) 